0: What are we gonna do this year? I can't believe the dilemma after everything we've gone through the last few years. And this, this is what destroys Christmas. We had reindeer missing. We've had elves trying to take over. We had some crazy woman trying to take over. And we always got through it. But this year, this year something different. There's just so much... I, 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 I can't even say it. It's... There's just no Christmas spirit. Nobody believes anymore. Nobody believes that I exist. I, I'm, I'm at a loss. I just... Look, here we go does not believe Gary does not believe John does not believe James Ah, oh, he does believe no wait he believes that Die Hard is a Christmas movie same thing does not believe <sighs> I know why you're here you know why you're here So let's listen to some podcasts. Let's see if maybe we can't make other people believe. What do you say? Good, good. Let's start. Merry Christmas. Merry
1: Christmas. Welcome to the Tragedy of Cinemas. It's a wonderful podcast life. I believe this is our third uh, season doing this. Um, And it's something where we reach out to all of our fellow podcasters to try to give back to our listeners a little something special at Christmas, especially if somebody doesn't have any family or any friends or not doing anything. Or maybe you just want to have a little extra listening material. Right. Mm -hmm. So. First off, I think it's very important that we do thank uh, Mr. Tim Mullins for editing this for us and getting it um, all put together. So, Tim, uh, we couldn't do it without you, buddy, uh, because I'm not that smart, and we know Kyle isn't. So, uh, we want to thank you once again for helping us do this. Uh, It is tradition now, just like um, Kyle getting coal for Christmas, you are part of this process. Uh, We also want to thank the other fellow podcasters and friends that have joined in uh, to help make this what it is, as we are recording this, we don't know who's sending stuff in. We I know there's at least one so far, maybe two coming, um, but I don't want to say their names and, and, and yeah, them on the rug right. for it. Yeah, um, but also I would like to say you know a special shout out to some of our friends um, and fellow podcasters. I'd like to say you know Jerry and Tracy, Polly uh, from Hillbilly Horror Stories. It's because of them is why this podcast even exists. So we love you guys. And hope you're having a Merry Christmas. Um, again, Tim Mullins and Mullins Media, uh, along with Sarah D. D- Donatus. Uh, they're good friends, too. Uh, we want to thank uh, Brett and Carl from the Evil Never Dies podcast. Them are some great guys. They really are. Um, they've really become close friends lately, you know, uh, especially with our uh, Planet, Planet, Planet of the Apes- 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 Exactly. exactly. Um, also, Todd, Sean, and Abe from Middle Ages, creeped out. Um, them guys are, are good guys, too. Uh also, you know, I don't get to talk to him as much. I usually see him at live shows, even though he's in the same state I am, but Justin Rimmel from Mysterious Circumstances, uh, he has a great podcast. Uh, he shoots it like it is, so um, he's, a, he's really fun to watch um, and listen to. Um, and if you ever get to meet him, uh, this guy will is so knowledgeable it's crazy, um, but he's working on a lot of cool stuff. So head over, check all these wonderful extra podcast people out. Uh, go check them out and and see where, uh, what you like, give them a five-star review, and let's roll on. But Kyle. That's right. What's Jimbo? Got a question for me? No. What? No questions. Okay. Well, I guess I could, but, All right. but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, when we were discussing what movie to do for this this year's episode, um, you, were, you were saying, well, let's do, why well, don't you say... Uh, oh, the no, comment. No, Kyle like said, Christmas. "Let's do this." I said, "Kyle, we already covered the oh Christmas in Connecticut." Yeah, Christmas. And I in said, Connecticut. "Kyle, we just did that last year or the year before." was like, "Did it or we just talked about doing it?" I couldn't remember. No, no, no. So <laughs> Kyle obviously doesn't remember <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff. Never, never see die hard. <laughs> I pulled up Christmas movie because the first year we had this podcast, and, uh, Terrence and I did the Twelve Days of Christmas, where we did twelve episodes of Christmas movies from like December thirteenth through the twenty fifth, and we released one every day. So I looked up Christmas movies, you know, and I'm going through, and I said, well, you know, A Christmas Carol that I don't think we've really actually ever covered. Maybe Mickey's Christmas Carol. And I was like, well, but, you know, I'm not feeling it. And then it came and landed on this movie that we're talking about, which I had never seen before. And I, I've seen it, but I've never watched it, like, as far as I've seen it. In, like, like the sat list. down and really gave right. it everything your full and attention. And I said, Kyle, yeah. what about Scrooged? From 1988, starring Bill Murray. And Kyle goes, that is a fantastic idea. Yeah, just and I on it, said, like, well, that sounds in. good. So we went with the 1988 uh, Bill Murray Scrooge, which is basically a comedy parody of uh, A Christmas
2: Carol. The original Charles Lincoln classic. Yeah. And
1: it is star-studded pack. I mean, when it starts off with Lee Majors with... With a submachine gun, you're right. Up to you're with right. Santa Claus, it doesn't get much it's, it's, better than it's that. Pretty amazing, right? It's pretty amazing. So,
2: Kyle, let's go ahead and take away Scrooge. All right, Jimbo, I'm going to jump right into it. All right, we have Scrooged, released on November 23rd of 1988, PG 13, 101 minute film, comedy, comedy, drama, fantasy. Directed by the legendary Richard Donner of Superman fame, um, the Lethal Weapon movies, and of course, The Goonies. Can't forget about those. Written by Mitch Glazer and Michael um, Donahue um, for the um, not for the um, screenplay adaptation we have here. And, of course, based on the original um, Christmas Carol by the legendary Charles Dickens, of course. Produced by Richard Donner and Art, Art Lindenson. Composed by the legendary Danny Elfman of Nightmare Before Christmas and Batman fame. And of course, Spider-Man 2002 as well. Um, center of photographer was Michael Chapman. and uh, that's the um, kind of the composer, uh, the, um, the producers of the film mainly. Um, budget for the film was 32 million dollars back in the day. Now, approximately worth about 83.2 today. Opening weekend just made only 13 million, so it was a worrying weekend for I'm sure the film producers in that scenario. Um, but opening week, um, opening, but just for inflation, that'd be about 33.9. But then gross worldwide, it more than made its money back with sixty point three million dollars. Just for inflation, that'd be about one hundred fifty six point nine million dollars today. So it did very well in that sense. Um, Scrooge, um, the movie though, follows the um, uh, follows a selfish, cynical television executive who is haunted by three spirits bearing lessons on Christmas Eve. Very inspired by the Charles Dickens story, but a little bit meta, more meta than that because this is an executive deuce, executive producer making a crack cynical adaptation of A Christmas Carol so it's very kind of meta. It's like A Christmas level. Carol and A Christmas Carol it, it, it's, it, yeah. it's a Christmas Carol and A Christmas Carol in a way that doesn't quite acknowledge itself in a way that I really appreciate and love um, Moving on to the, some of the um, technical details of the film here It has a runtime of 101 minutes um, Sound mix was a Dolby Stereo Color info, this is actually one of the Technicolor in Hollywood films, so actually a full-on Technicolor film, so that's kind of an interesting um, color definition there. Aspect ratio is 1.85 by 1, and the cameras used were the, camera, were the Panavision Panaflex Gold and Panavision Primo lenses. The technical details there moving on to the awards we have just a bunch of nominations and I believe only one win um, for nominations we have the 1990 Academy of Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror Films where it was nominated for Best Fantasy Film then for the 1989 Saturn Awards we have the um, nomination for Best Special Effects which I gotta say this film probably should have won I don't know what other films came out in 1989, but this film had some amazing special effects 89 for the 89 Saturn Awards 89 oh, okay. special awards yeah um sorry not 99 you're right um then for the 1989 academy awards it was an oscar nomination for best makeup um, once again very impressive visual effects and makeup kind of limped in there together i believe because once again there's some just amazing stuff going on there then for the nineteen eighty nine MTV Video Music Awards, it was nominated for the best video from a film. I'm guessing for the um, original um, uh, music videos there at the beginning of the film being demo there. So, Kyle, nineteen eighty nine. Tell me about it.
1: The, well, nineteen eighty eight, John Richardson from Industrial Light Magic won for Willow. And eighty nine and ninety, um, which uh, Ken Ralston from Industrial Light Magic for Back to the Future Part Two. Um, Also, Industrial Light, Magic, Dream Quest, Images, Fantasy II Film, FX, Wonderworks for The Abyss, and Richard Conway and Kit Houston for The Adventures
2: of Baron Munchaushausen. Okay. That's, well, (laughs) it's hard to be with ILM. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, Jimbo. Um, Well, finally, we have for the 1989 BMI Film and TV Awards, it won the Film Music Award to Danny Elfman for an amazing soundtrack of this film. So that prizes the award details right there. Um, filming locations for the film this film actually wasn't filmed entirely in New York which was uh, pretty cool for the time there Um, filming began on 12-7 of 1987 and ended on March 7th of 1988 Um, so after 91 days of filming so cool details there now we're going to move on to a huge star-studded cast, Jimbo. So I'm going to probably give some short to to some of these actors here just because it's a long list and I'm not going to like cover the entire thing because, oh my gosh, I'd be here all day if I did. Um, but first up, of course, we have the legendary Bill Murray playing the role of Frank Cross. Never heard of him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's ever heard about Bill Murray? I think he was like Garfield. <laughs> he was Garfield. <laughs> and of course, known for of course films like Groundhog Day and Ghostbusters and uh, films like Lost. In translation two thousand three, and uh, you know the, but mainly everyone knows him for he was a definitive Garfield the movie in two thousand four. So of course no no introduction to you for Bill Murray. It's Bill Murray. <laughs> um, next up we have Karen Allen playing the role of Claire Phillips. Karen Allen probably uh, most recognizable from her role as Marion in the Indiana Jones films the past um, the past three now at this point where she had uh, the eighty one uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and now just recently. Um, the Dial of Destiny. Um, and she was also in the film um, Starman in 1984. So, Karen Allen, this film. Wow, um, Starman, I watched that. Starman uh, is great. We got to add that to the list. Add the that time. to the list. Add to the list. Um, next up, we got John Forsythe playing the role of Lou Hayward. John Forsythe was in the films um, In Trouble with Harry in 1955, In Cold Blood in 1967, and he was on 220 episodes of the show Dynasty. Um, from 1981 to 1989, so cool. John Forsythe's there. Next up, we got John Glover playing the role of Bryce Cummings. Um, John Glover, probably most recognizable for me for his role as um, Lex Luthor's dad in Smallville from 2001 to 2011. Um, then, of course, um, for one of the films we most kind of recently covered, but Gremlins 2: The New Batch in 1990, um, and he was in the film Payback in 1999. There's John Glover right there. Then next up, we have Bobcat Goldthwaite um, playing the role of Elliot Loudermilk. Loudermilk. I what know. a character name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobcat, most easily recognizable from, uh, probably will be forever, but his role as Zed from the Police Academy's films. Yeah. Um, I believe it was just one and two, though they appeared, in. I don't know if he was in the other ones as well. Um, he was also in 100 episodes of the television show Unhappily Ever After from 1995 into 1990 and he was the voice of the character Payne in the 1997 film Hercules. Um, um, me, though, I probably recognize him most as a director overall, too, because he's also done a lot of directorial works. Um, Simply the film's um, World's Greatest Dad from Williams in 2009. Uh, tough watch now, if you want to go back to it. Um, but also, "Shakes the Clown in 1991, a bit of a crazier film. And also, even crazier film, God Bless America in 2011. So, interesting kind of a career there. That's I think Bobcat is kind of like, I think, Probably, at this point, probably recognizable in equal parts as a director and as an actor, which is um, a bit of a kind of a rare accomplishment for many people in that field. So cool on him there. Next up, we have uh, David Johnson playing the role of the Ghost of Christmas Pass. David is probably better known for his role as a musician for his musical correction film. Don't know many of his singles offhand, but he's a you know, famous musician in his own right there. And he's also been in many other films, such as uh, Let It Ride in 1989. Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan in 1993, and Freejack in 1992. I know, Jim, was the first time thinking about Mr. Nanny in past five years. Um, <laughs> actually, no. I was thinking about covering it on this podcast because I love Hulk Hogan. I've never gotten around to watching it myself. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, only one I watched was Suburban that. Commando. Okay. Uh, no, never said that I watched one. Uh, now I'm thinking of the, the third Three Ninjas film where he's like an, a, an evil amusement park owner. <sighs> And I think I watched that as a kid. Like the Three um, Ninjas Strike Back or something? Yeah, yeah. And his role is one of the Rocky movies when he played that giant. I, forget, I think it was Did Rocky you never, ever
1: see No Holds Barred where he took on Zeus? Uh, no, no. Never watched it. No, yeah, well, yeah. you got a yeah, lot of yeah, movies yeah. to catch up on. It's that, almost
2: part. like I don't like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a real American <laughs> <laughs> hero. Gladly take it then. Um, next <laughs> up, we have Carol Kane playing the role of the Ghost of Christmas Present. Um, Carol Kane. She may have stole the show. She really um, dominated every scene she was in. It's 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 hilarious. Yeah, it's one of those things where like if she had more scenes, she'd be the main star. She yeah. looks like
1: Glenda the Good Witch on crack, is what she looks like. exactly.
2: But yeah, yeah, but but every scene she's in, she's leading that scene. That's entirely right. Um, Carol Kane, of course, um, also like um, probably my when I recognize her the most, I think of the Adams Family movies, uh, the Adams Family and, and the Grandmama. Adams Family Values in 91 93 where she played the other mama. Um, she also had a starring role as um, uh, one of the lead characters in the film When a Stranger Calls in 1979. Um, and she was in the Princess Bride in 1987. So cool on her Was on she uh, Billy Crystal's wife in that? I believe she was, but I don't know for certain. I haven't watched that in forever. The Princess Bride yeah. um, Next up we have Nicholas Phillips playing the role of Calvin Cooley. Nicholas Phillips was also in the film The Jacksons in American Dream in 1992 then we have michael j Pollard playing the role of herman michael was also in the film bonnie and clyde in 1967. Then we have Alfred Woodard playing the role of Grace Cooley. Grace Cooley's uh, the, the Frank Cross's, Bill Murray's assistant character in the film. Um, Alfred Wood was also in the film Star Trek: First Contact yeah. in 1996. One of my favorite Star Trek movies, actually, for that have most too. action. Um, Clemency in 2019, pretty recently, and she's also part of the um, Annabelle um, move, horror movie dynasty, whatever that is going on now. And she? Um, she was in that in 2014. Yeah, I never watched the Annabelle movies, so I don't know how important she is in those. But yeah. <laughs> what is Jim though? (laughs) I don't know I just don't even know who you are anymore (laughs) next up we got Mabel King playing the role of Grandma Uh, Mabel King was also in the film The Jerk in 1979 playing the role I believe she was actually um, Steve Martin's mother in that film adopted mother (laughs) then we have John Murray playing the role of James Cross John Murray was also in the film Elf in 2003 with um, good old Will Ferrell then we have Jamie Farr playing the role of Jacob Barley. Jamie you know who Farr? Jamie Farr was, Kyle? I, <laughs> I got to guess Jimbo. Who was he, Jimbo? No, do you know who he was? If he was one of the main characters in M.A.S.H., there right? There you go. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say, if you don't get this, then... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. M.A.S.H. from 1972 to how long did it last? Six years? Wasn't like 1972 to 1978, I think? I didn't care for it. Was last, it was longer than the war. <laughs> I've only watched like
1: one episode of M.A.S.H. What? Yeah. Gosh, That terrible. That was automatically a... Changed the channel when that da 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 tick click
2: M- mash is good <laughs> okay um, next up we got Robert Goulett playing the role of Robert Gullit <laughs> Robert Goulett was also in the film The Naked Gun Two and a Half The Smell of Fear in 1991 then we got Buddy Hackett playing the role of Scrooge the um, Scrooge <laughs> inside of the movie the movie inside of the movie Scrooge uh, Buddy Hackett was also in the film It's a Mad 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 World in 1963 that's a, that's a fantastic film Next up, we got John Houseman playing the role of John Houseman. Got <laughs> <Dun, dun, dun. laughs> a lot of actors playing actors in the film. Twist. John Houseman was also in the movie The Paper Chase in 1973. Then next up, we have the character of Lee Majors playing the character Lee, Lee. Majors. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Better known for his thing of The Six Million Dollar Man <laughs> in 1974. And too. he
1: played in one of my favorite TV shows growing up.
2: Which one was that, Jimbo? Um,
1: the Fall Guy. The where fall. he played
2: Colt Seaver.
1: The Fall Seaver. Gosh, I man. know you've never yeah, seen it. I, kind probably, of, I don't think I, I have. have.
2: I, I, I need to be reminded of that because I think I know more about it than I do, but I'm not sure. Then we have Pat McCormick playing the TV version of the Ghost of Christmas Prize present. Um, yeah, Pat McCormick was also in the film Smoking the Bantam in 1977. Next up, we have Brian Doyle Murray playing the character of Earl Cross. Brian was also in the film Caddyshack in 1980. Then we have Mary Lou Redden playing the character of Mary Lou Redden. <laughs> Mary Lou was also in the film Naked Gun 33 and One Third: The Final Insult in 1994. <laughs> Gosh, I love Naked Gun. Yeah, the titles are funny. Like, even even just like, having to read their titles in the in the list, it's like makes a laugh. Next up, we got Al Red Dog Weber playing the role of Santa Claus. Al Weber was also in the film We the People in 1994. Then we have Gene Spiegel Howard playing the role of Mrs. Claus. Gene Spiegel Howard is also in the film Apollo 13 in 1995 with good old Tom Hanks. Next up, we got June Chandler playing the role of June Cleaver. <laughs> June Chandler was also in the film No Way Out in 1987. Then we have Michael Eidman playing the role of Wally Cleaver. <laughs> Then we have Mary Ellen Trainer playing the role of Ted. Mary Ellen Trainer was also in the film The Goonies in 1985. There we go. Whew, I'm going to go through this cast list kind of like f- as far as I can here before I get to see people that just have no names. <laughs> um, but um, oh, actually, nope. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That is the cast list as I'm going to. Uh, Put the cap on it there, because otherwise I'm going to go through a lot of people who have no names. They're just known as, like, Street Musician Number 1, Street Musician Number 2. And then I'll be lost in the weeds. So, Jimbo, let's move on to the trivia. Let's All go. right, Kyle. There's
1: a lot more than the last movie we covered. So, That's certainly fair. here we go. And, and the, the special effects in this practical are awesome. Absolutely so. incredible. Uh, here we go, Kyle. When the ghost of Christmas present first appears in the movie, she says to Frank Cross, I'm a little muddled. This is a direct quote from Glinda the Good Witch in *The Wizard of Oz* when she first meets Dorothy in Munchkinland. Oh, interesting. So I don't ever remember her saying. I'm a little muddled. So I, yeah, yeah, it's no, been a long I time. Twist my arm, gun in my head. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, all of Bill Murray's acting brothers—John Murray, Joel Murray, and Brian Doyle Murray—appear in this movie. John's the only one that played his on-screen, or John's the one that played his on-screen brother. Joel plays one of the guests at John's party, while Brian plays Bill's on-screen father. Cool. So that's pretty cool. I didn't even know he had brothers. Yep. Uh, the leader of the street musicians insulted by Bill Murray is Paul Schaefer. Oh, Paul you know, Schaefer you know Paul was this? Was he, he
2: was? I I I know the name. I know the uh, name.
1: I can't with you. I can't with you, Kyle. <laughs> but wasn't you that David Letterman's musician thank Paul you. Schaefer. Paul Schaefer
2: from David K. Okay, thank you, I appreciate. Uh, when he's the ghost, cool. he's cool. Uh, when the
1: ghost of Christmas Present, Carol Kane grabbed Bill Murray's lip. She tore it so badly that filming was halted for several
2: days. Oh my gosh. She's just ripping him
1: around, dude. Uh, there's a director cameo by none other than Richard Donner. Uh, he was a worker in the control room at the end of the movie. <laughs> That's
2: pretty
1: funny. <laughs> when when Bobcat Goldway has His that shotgun. Watch shotgun. Oh, man. He's
2: like, I think we might have
1: escalated things a little further than we can cover up. Here you go, Kyle. Sam Kennison was originally slated to play the part of the ghost of Christmas past. This part eventually went to David Johann, uh, Johansson uh, due to his friendship with Bill Murray. Oh, oh!
2: Okay. I, I was worried there would be in time of like, when Sam Kinnison passed because I know he was, he, he was taken from us all too soon. <laughs> yeah. uh.
1: Uh, four copies of Pablo Picasso's 1942 painting, Woman with an Artichoke, were made for a scene that was never shot. Three were given to crew members. Director Richard Donner, uh, production designer J. Michael Riffa, and original cinematographer Conrad L. Hall. Somehow, Mel Gibson got the fourth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just the name I didn't expect to turn either. Also, just, just imagine, like he made four copies for a painting didn't use it. Yeah. Wow. And how, do you, how does Mel Gibson get one? It's a wasteful <laughs> moment. Yeah, just, uh, what do we do with this for Give it to Mel. <laughs>
1: Carol Kane would get upset at having to rough up Bill Murray and their scenes together, which if you watch it, it's absolutely funny. She <laughs> does a great job of it. Jack McGee ad-libbed his line, you can hardly see them nipples. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Ghost of Christmas Past Cab's Uh, Belongs to the Bell Cab Company. Bell is the name of Scrooge's first love in the Charles Dickens novel from which the story is loosely taken. Uh, The movie is a spoof version and modernized adaptation of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens and was released 145 years after Dickens' source novella had been published. Uh, One of the special appearances in the movie was that of actor John Houseman. He died on October 31st, 1988, less than one month before the movie was released in theaters in Aww, November uh, 23rd. Uh, the movie was the first of two consecutive ghost comedies that Bill Murray made over the course of two years. He starred in Ghostbusters 2 the year after this one. Wikipedia states this film uh, was marketed and re- uh, with reference to Ghostbusters, which had been a great success four years earlier. In the U.S., the tagline was, Bill Murray is back among the ghosts. Only this time, it's three against one.
2: (laughs) It's a clever marketing thing. (laughs) Oh man!
1: Right. Uh, Paramount announced a special edition release titled "The You'll Love uh, You'll Love It" edition to be released on October thirty first, two thousand six. However, it was recalled for unknown reasons. Hmm. Sad. Of course, there is the cameo of Lee Majors as himself in the television special "The Night the Reindeer Die.
2: <laughs> I kind of want to yeah, see that yeah, movie. Real man. movies you want to see made? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, oh, what was that like? David Harbour, *Santa Claus* movie? I forgot the name of that movie where he like he, 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 like the John Wick guys. I mean, a *Santa oh, Claus*, *The Silent Night*, *Violent Night*, or whatever. Yeah, *Violent Night*. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, was let's
1: awesome. see here. Uh, of course, Jamie Foxx, Jacob Marley. Uh, This is the 13th highest grossing film of 1980 at the American box office with a total of just over $60 million. Richard Donner directed this movie between Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. Lethal Open
2: 2 is so awesome. Oh, here we go. I just re-watched Lethal 1 and Lethal and 2 like a few weeks <laughs> here ago. Here we go, Kyle. enjoyed it.
1: When Frank throws water uh, water on the waiter he sees burning, he says, I'm sorry, you know, I thought you were Richard Pryor. This is <laughs> that a was reference a very funny joke. to an event in Pryor's life when, while freebasing cocaine, accidentally set himself on fire and ran down a busy street in Los Angeles. It's a little dark. It humor. was very dark, but very funny. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Uh, the sling mounted on uh, uh, the sling mounted GEM one thirty four minigun used by Lee Majors in the beginning of the movie was the same stage prop used by who? I'm going to see Arnold Schwarzenegger in Close too. Close. close Jesse Ventura and Predator. Ah, you were close.
2: That's awesome. We don't talk about we don't, talk about, cool we don't talk
1: about Predator on this podcast because. <laughs> That is a whole sad story. Someday. We we recorded a a really long like an hour and a half episode. It was a great episode. The best episode you've never heard. And then somehow Jimbo (laughs) deleted it, so maybe one day we'll go back and revisit it. Preston tells Frank that in America there are 27 million cats, 48 million dogs. This says quite seriously that IBC needs to start gearing programming towards them. As of 2015, Kyle, there are several dog and cat-specific channels on Roku that supply dedicated pet programming based on scientific studies of what interests them. That's cool. (laughs) Well, part of me wants to be really cynical about that, but I'm like, actually, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) In one of Frank's promotions at the start of the film, the narrator lists international terrorism among modern evils besetting the world, accompanied by visuals of a plane exploding. During the film's release... Oh, no. Hijackers blew up a Pan Am flight over Lockerbie, Scotland. Oh,
2: my gosh. Yeah. And that's where the whiplash comes in, Jimbo. Dogs and cats on TV. Uh, International terrorism. Okay. (laughs) Uh, The golf
1: ball in Frank's mouth is a a homage to Bill Murray's character in Caddyshack. Ooh, nice. (laughs) It wasn't until 2011 that Danny Elfman's score was released. The album, which was limited to just three thousand copies, contained a total of thirty-four tracks, not uh, all of which were included in the film. The final track is a bonus track that was created for Trading Places. Oh wow, that's interesting. Richard, like what that? Twenty-five years later, almost. Dang. Yeah, Richard Donner's previous film, *Lethal Weapon*, was also set at Christmas time. Mm -hmm. Movie critic Roger (laughs) Ebert, good old Roger, Mm -hmm. said that this was the worst. Film adaptation of a Christmas Carol
2: he had ever seen. Oh wow, man! Only just a little, little longer. He would have got more. I really want to say what he would say
1: about some of these movies these days. Oh my God. You'd, he'd be tearing them up, dude! Oh be hilarious! Uh, Bill Murray God, falling that's... on his way out of the restaurant was unscripted and a genuine accident, as evidenced by the reaction of the actor playing the waiter and Murray's feet as he fell uh, falls. Apparently it was due to the stairs still being wet after splashing the water, uh the waiter with water that caused him to step, uh, lose his footing. Remember that? Yeah. And I think it's awesome that he continued you because know, he gets up and he straightens up his suit and he walks out the door. I thought that was really well done, and I'm thinking to myself that looked like it was real.
2: Like yeah, and it was. It was. And he just he just, he just carried, carried through. Carried, through. Ray, you I know. thought that was awesome. Yeah.
1: Good
3: actor.
2: Good actor.
1: Uh, during the movie, there are several references to other films, but most obvious is Back to the Future. When Frank and uh, the Ghost of Christmas Past uses a car, although it's a Checker cab instead of a DeLorean, to travel back through time to 1955. Uh, Frank uh, trying to get the audiences in the, mo- uh, in the movie to participate was entirely ad lib by Bill Murray. Remember at the end? Oh, oh yeah, well, just, the end of the theater. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible. This uh, Just the men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just the real men. men. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Bill Murray turned down the lead roles. Uh, okay, Kyle. These are these are three movies that he turned down the lead roles in to make this film. Okay. Let's see rain. if you think he made a good choice or a
2: poor choice. All right. Rain Man, 1988. <laughs> that would have been a weird choice. Um, I think he made the right choice to turn it down. Big. Big. Wh-
1: which big? The Tom Hanks one where... He what? would have been the
2: lead? It would have been Tom Hanks, I guess. Oh gosh, man! I think that's like a like that like a defensive Tom Hanks movie in my mind. So absolutely not. <laughs> that would have been so different. And Cocktail, word. Cocktail. I don't think I've ever watched Cocktail. What's it? Moving on. Who was the Cocktail? You remember? Was it Tom Cruise? What was it Tom Cruise? Wow, those are some very weird movies. Those have been very different movies with Bill Murray as the lead. Wow, I think okay. he could have put off big, pulled off big. I think for he, could, sure. I mean, he could pull off anything, but they're still like they're
1: very different movies. You know, uh, I'm Rich, happy what we have. Richard Donner was a huge Chuck Norris fan and wanted him for the Lee Majors part. Unfortunately, Chuck was <laughs> filming <laughs> at the time. That <laughs> would have been amazing. I need a too. minigun. <laughs> Chuck <laughs> Norris. <laughs> what if it was
2: Chuck Norris and Lee Majors? <laughs> oh man, two brothers. <laughs>
1: From other mothers. Uh, the excitement over VCR as a Christmas present may seem odd today, but when this film was released, a typical VCR cost from five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars in twenty twenty two money. That's about a thousand to three thousand dollars.
2: Yeah, no, VCR is actually awesome. Yeah, All right. I'm just old enough to realize no, that's actually incredibly extravagant and awesome. Yep. And also, those VCRs were cool back in the day. Yes, they were. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: I have several VHS. Tapes up there, if you look up there to the top shelf, Kyle. You see no, that? I refuse. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'll oh, oh, look up I'm okay. sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, you know, wow. I'm sorry you, had to, sorry you had to turn around for that. I Man, mean, my neck is straight. <laughs> uh, Bill Murray declined to return as Carl Spackler in Caddyshack 2 in 1980 in order to appear in this film. A wise career move on his part as this movie was a box office hit while Caddyshack 2 flopped. Flopped hard. Do you think it flopped because he wasn't in it? Probably, Ashley. Probably, yeah. Uh, the holiday party in Christmas past might be a nod to a similar one in The Apartment from 1960.
2: The Apartment from 1960. 19- I don't think. Oh, yeah, I did watch that. Yeah, we Jack covered Lemmon, it. We, Jack Lemmon and, yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the other lady. Journey. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the morning.
1: I think this was iconic, too. At the end of the movie where everybody is singing, put a little love in your heart, Frank says, among many other things, feed me Seymour, <laughs> which is obviously a line from Little Shop of Horrors, which Bill Murray had a small part in. Yeah. Uh, when Frank crashes onto the stage after seeing Frozen Herman, director Bryce calls him Joker in reference to Bill Murray's trying out for the villain in the then-unreleased Batman Man film. Yep. Herman died with a smile on his face, as do some of the Joker's victims. Oh. So, Kyle... Give
2: me your thoughts, feelings on Scrooge. (laughs) Scrooge is a strong 7 out of 10 for me. I love this film a lot. It's a lot of fun. Practical effects are amazing. The special effects are amazing, frankly. A little nightmare-inducing if you're a young child, though, I think. If you're thinking, like, under the age of 10, you're like, you might be at a risk for a nightmare for this film. Because some of those effects were way too good for the time. (laughs) Um, But overall, this is a strong film. The cast is star-studded, and the jokes are very, very funny. And uh, it's fun seeing, you know, kind of like timely humor of the time, now being aged by 30 plus years, 35 plus years now, oh my gosh um, still being like, you can look up those stories and find out the references they're making which is pretty cool, and also just cool seeing all these actors have a lot of fun, so this looks like a fun film to make and a fun film to watch, I'd recommend anyone watch it once or twice, um, especially for you know every year around Christmas time this film holds up very, very well, so I think this is a great film overall, and I'll gladly watch it again sometime. Jimbo, what do you think of the film? Loved it I think it's definitely probably a seven and a half, maybe an
1: eight. Uh, it's star-studded. The Carol Kane steals the show. Um, the practical effects are awesome, um, especially like when um, the the uh, his old partner comes. Uh, you know he's been dead seven years, and he takes him and he holds him out the window, and the window just you yeah know, goes through the window, and then he's basically his hand breaks off. <laughs> oh, My gosh, uh, yeah, just yeah. snaps through. Um, yeah. Yeah, the uh, it's one of those the only the only issue I had um, throughout the movie he treats his assistant Alfred Woodard pretty bad and at the end of the movie I mm-hmm. was expecting him to give her something on TV which he never did you know how he was given he was talking about his yeah. love life and he was talking about
2: uh, was, like they were juggling so many characters too. She fell through the cracks, which was very unfortunate. I wish there was a, definitely a scene where he. Well, I mean, I guess assistant. she
1: gets her her son talks. Yeah, and I guess that might be the payoff for her. That's that's what she ultimately wanted. But I yeah. mean, you know, he's given Bobcat Goldway's character uh, louder milk. He's given him like it is. Hey, you're my assistant now. I'm doubling yeah, yeah. your salary after blah, he gets blah, out blah, of right? jail. <laughs> so, uh, but I guess he was basically playing the Tiny Tim character, if you will, of the son. Mm. So, um, I think that was pretty cool. But yeah, definitely definitely worth a watch. Um, so yeah, we want to say uh, Merry Christmas, probably Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa. To all. Yeah. yeah um, everything. Um, wherever you are in the world, uh, just know we love you. Uh, you're not alone. If you ever need anything, please reach out to Kyle or myself or mm-hmm. any of these other podcasters on here. They are more than willing to take their time to talk to you. Absolutely. And uh, well, Kyle, I think our part of this ep- Christmas episode is coming to a close, but I want everybody to remember one thing this holiday season. Mm -hmm. Die Hard is not a Christmas Christmas movie. movie. And with that being said, I think this part of our episode is coming to a close. And that's a wrap.
2: You're wrong and (laughs) cut.
0: Ho, ho, ho. That felt good to get back in the podcast. My, how I miss listening to those. You don't realize how much you miss those until you don't get them. <laughs> that was a wonderful story. Thank you, gentlemen. So, I thought I'd try something a little different this year. Normally we play the traditional Christmas music, but... I thought this year we would try something a little different. Do you like it? Let's listen for just a little bit. didn't go up much, but it went up. I'm so glad you like this. So why do you say we listen to another podcast? Let's keep bringing that meter up, shall we? Ho, 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 ho. Let's move on to the next story.
4: Hey guys, I'm Jerry And I'm Tracy And we are Hillbilly Horror Stories And we want to say thank you to James and Kyle from Tragedy Cinemas For including us on this Christmas presentation that they do uh, every year And thanks to Tim for putting it all together
5: Yeah, thank you guys so much It's an honor to be on here
4: Tracy, we're going to go back on this story to Denmark The very early 1900s So we're in an orphanage It's Christmas time. There's a new orphan, little boy, it has been dropped off. Well, all the other orphans in, in the uh, facility are telling him how great it is at Christmas time. On Christmas Eve, there's going to be a beautiful tree up, it's going to be lit with candles all over its branches, there's going to be uh, a beautiful fragrant stew, it's going to be so much better than they normally eat on their, on their daily basis, and... The very best. At the end of the day, they're all going to get their own orange. Aww. And this is all made possible by someone in the community that, that you know, donates the oranges and all that stuff. Okay. So, little boy's excited. First of all, he's never seen a Christmas tree. Never? Except through somebody else's window. He never had one in his house. Oh. And then you talk about an orange his very own orange he's never tasted an orange before he smelt it because at the uh, marketplace he was able to get close enough to smell one and one time he was even able to run his finger over the the skin of the orange to be able to see what it felt like
5: what's oh, his heart
4: so they're excited Christmas Eve comes just like he was told, the tree's up, it's beautiful, there are candles everywhere, they're, they had lamb stew, it was some of the best food he had ever had, fresh-baked bread. And then he starts seeing everybody line up for the oranges. He lines up, takes his place, the children are going through, they're getting their orange, they're saying thank you. And then as he approaches the headmaster, who's actually giving him, uh, giving up the oranges he stops and looks him in the eye and he says I'm sorry son we're out of oranges we took the count before you came here Mm. and he said but you'll get an orange next year the little boy was so upset he ran upstairs crying throws himself on his bed buries his head and just sits there and cries a few seconds later he feels a slight tap on his shoulder He tries to stop crying long enough to turn around. As he's doing so, he feels a a stronger tap. And then he feels somebody pull him up from the bed. He smelt it before he seen it. But sitting on the bed next to him was a cloth napkin with several orange segments. Each one of the children had taken a segment from their orange and given to him enough to make a complete orange
6: well how sweet was that
4: so the whole moral obviously to the story is to remember that christmas is a time for sharing absolutely and there is nothing that will make you feel better than sharing something you have with someone that doesn't have near what you might have
5: agree well that's a wonderful wonderful story and god bless those kids how, how amazing is
4: that and so that's our story we have for you guys i uh, hope you have a great holiday season no matter which holiday that you celebrate and um come give us a listen at hillbilly horror stories
7: bye guys hi my name is denise and i'm going to be reading twas the night before christmas Twas the night before christmas and all through the house not a creature was stirring not even a mouse the stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes saint nicholas soon will be there the children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads and mama and her kerchief and i in my cap had just settled down with a little old driver, so lively and quick. I knew in a moment it must be Saint Nick, more rapid than eagles, his coursers they came. And he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up on the housetop the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas, too. And then, in the twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing pine of each little hoof. As I drew in my head, and was turning around, down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur, from his head to his foot, and his clothes, they were all tarnished with ashes and soot. But a bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler, just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of his pipe was held tight in his teeth, and the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed like a pole full of jelly. He was a chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. And I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and he filled off the strip stockings and turned with a jerk. And laying a finger the side of his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, and his team gave a whistle. And away they flew, like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Holidays.
0: Ho, 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 wasn't that nice? Jerry and Tracy. Why do I know those names? Let me see. Jim, John, Jerry, Jerry. Ah, Jerry. Oh, you've been naughty. Ho, 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 ho. very naughty according to this. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Let's see, Tracy, Tracy. Tracy Polly, there you are. Oh. Oh. You've been a very good girl. I think perhaps you need to rub off on Jerry. Just a little bit. <laughs> That was a wonderful story, guys. Thank you so much. And Denise, Denise, that was such a nice story. Thank you for reading that to us. That was wonderful. Oh, <laughs> and will you look—the meter—it's gone up some more. I—I I do believe the Christmas spirit is. It's, it's coming back. Well, we certainly can't stop now. Let's keep going, shall we? I agree. <laughs> On with the show.
5: This is the Evil Never Dies podcast with Brett and Carl. This podcast may contain adult themes, violence, and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. I Evil something I
8: It's my privilege to teach you this semester. Enjoy your winter breaks and Merry Christmas. Sup, ladies. Excited for tonight?
9: It is our last day of our last fall semester of
1: college
6: ever. Jingle bell, jingle bell,
3: jingle
7: of all of us? Of course. Where's Helena? She was pounding back a sodas earlier, but she looked really good. Cheese.
10: We shouldn't have let her go back by she's, herself. She's fine. Come on, live a little. Oh, oh no, no, wait. Ah! Helena hasn't gotten home yet. (laughs) If I were missing, I'd want you to unleash the bloodhounds and track me down.
7: She was at DKO last night.
11: Still creating problems, huh, Rye?
9: Hello? Hello? I'm
10: worried that something bad happened.
3: It's winter break. Could just be a delay of some sort. Snow.
7: My friend is missing.
12: Nine times out of ten, the girl's just with a boyfriend.
7: I will bring you to your knees.
6: Sacrifices have been made to keep our traditions alive.
7: You're all insane. I'm tired of
11: hiding. I'm tired of running. Go,
6: go, 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 go! Ho, 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 bitch. You messed with the wrong sisters.
13: Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! What's up, Carl?
8: Hey, it's it's Santa Bubba Evil Never Dies Brett.
13: Evil Bubba Santa.
8: Evil Bubba Santa, and I'm the Grinch. Welcome What's up, everybody? Our Christmas episode. Yeah, we're doing uh, another
13: little thingy for Jimbo, Kyle, and Eric. So... Appreciate you guys inviting us to do it again. Really appreciate it.
8: So. So last year on our Christmas show and maybe Jimbo's even, we did, um, the original black Christmas. So we were going to do the remake of black Christmas, but then we figured out there's a second remake of black Christmas that was made in 2019. And we thought this would probably be a good one to do for this episode. Because I'd never seen the movie before and I didn't know anything about it, so let's take a look at Black Christmas, the second remake, second remake, yes, of the 1974 film Black Christmas. All right, it was directed by
13: Sophia Takal, screenplay by Sophia Takal and April Wolf, based on Black Christmas by A. Roy Moore. Produced by Jason Blum, oh no, Ben Cosgrove, <laughs> Adam Hendricks, and Bridget Berman. Cinematography by Mark Schwartz, Schwartzbard. I think that's how you say it, Schwartzbard. Edited by Jeff Betancourt and Ben Bodhuin music by will blair and brooke blair i wonder if they're related they are they are yes what'd you think of the score on this sort of
8: forgetful
13: yeah it wasn't yeah for sure production companies blumhouse productions bloomberg that's what i call it divide and
8: conquer
3: Hey,
13: at least this wasn't directed by David Gordon Green.
8: And, you know, I've seen a pattern. I think it's his movies that we don't like. I think other uh, Blum, Bloom are okay. So maybe I shouldn't hate all over Jason Bloom, Blum, whatever his name is this week.
13: All right. Distributed by Universal Pictures. Release date was December 13th, 2019 in the United States. At a running time of 92 minutes country of origin united states english language budget i've heard different amounts for the budget from 5 million to 10 million and i've heard different box office amounts too from 10 million to almost 19 million so it didn't do very good in the theater no, it was sure. it was a
8: flop it was definitely a flop, but if you look at that release date,
13: yeah, actually, right, before, yeah, right before Christmas,
8: right before Christmas, and being a horror, even though it was a Christmas horror movie, I think that was a bad, I don't know, I think they put it out at a bad time.
13: They should have probably come out with it right after Thanksgiving,
8: yeah, I think they waited too close to Christmas, exactly. So, yeah, it was sort of a flop. It did not do well. And honestly, it it has not been um, well talked about. It It's gotten bad reviews and a lot of people just criticize it. I think it even got like a D plus grade on the, the cinema score. So I have never watched it until I just watched it last night. So. I kind of went along with, well, everybody says this sucks, so it must suck. So we gave it a watch. Had you seen it before? Or is this your first watch? This was my,
13: I had seen it, parts of it, it was okay. one of them where I fell asleep, but you fell asleep, but I forced my eyes open this time when I watched it. And, uh, yeah. All right. Let's go over the cast real quick. Let's do it. First, we got Imogen Poots as Riley. Elise Shannon as Chris, Lily Donahue as Marty, Brittany O'Grady as Jesse, Caleb Eberhard as Landon, Carrie Elwes
8: as Professor Gelson. And you said you didn't recognize him at first. Not at first, no. Well, I knew he was in the movie, so the second I saw him, I'm like, hey, it's
13: him. Next, we got Simon Mead as Nate. Madeline Adams is Helena. Natalie Morris is Franny. Ben Black is Phil McClaney. Zoe Robbins is Una. 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 That sounds like a cartoon name or something. One or of a Star Trek one, name. One of Juliet's characters on something. Hmm. Ryan McIntyre is Brian Huntley. Mark Nielsen as Gil. Lucy Curry as Lindsay Hellman and Johnny McBride as the black mask. Oh no, the black mask. And that is the cast for
8: black Christmas 2019. Okay. We're going to go over the plot and we're not going to spoil this movie. So if you haven't seen it, we won't ruin it for you. Uh, the movie starts though, with a college girl, basically kind of walking home and a mask, a black mask individual kills her. So then we flop away to another uh, college girl who had been raped by a member of uh, some kind of (laughs) Omnicron fraternity. fraternity. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so her sorority sisters, they're angered by this other fraternity and they also have a petition to kick the professor out of the college because he's refusing to teach books written by women. So from the get-go, I guess people could say this was sort of a woke movie, but I disagree with that. I can kind of see why it was written the way it was. So I won't I won't condemn it for that. So basically you got a lot of strong women who've dealt with a lot of bad men Sort of standing up for themselves, in my opinion. But it doesn't go very well. They start having some issues. And eventually the black mask starts coming after them. And it goes downhill from there. Yes, it does. We have the sorority versus the fraternity and black mask killer running loose. Yep. All right. And a bunch of black liquid. Because we will put one thing out there. There is some black magic practiced in this Christmas movie. Is that sacrilegious? I think it is. I do believe it is.
13: All righty. Let's go over some trivia here. Let's do it. Universal Studios, Blumhouse received a backlash after the first trailer was released for the film due to the extreme amount of spoilers.
8: Yeah, there were a lot of spoilers in the trailer.
13: So if you want to, I guess watch that original trailer, if you want to see the spoilers, well, a lot of movies are like that nowadays. They They, are now like that. I'm not even going to mention it again. Yeah. That exorcist, uh, but it it was like that too the the trailer was better than the movie i thought anyway back to the task at hand
8: well i do know this it's rated pg-13 it's not rated r like the two previous black christmas movies
13: exactly and And it's
8: not it's not overly violent and but it does have a lot of like you know sexual assault issues so there's a lot of um adult theme in it but it's not really an r-rated movie so i think uh pg-13 was the way to go for this maybe
13: yeah they had to cut out 30 minutes of it to get it to a pg-13 from an r
8: gotcha well i don't remember seeing an unrated version so i don't think there is one Bob Clark,
13: the original creator of the original black Christmas was not involved in the production process of this because he died in 2007, right after the second
8: remake was made. Well, there you go. Such the luck on that. So yeah, it's totally got nothing to do with the original then.
13: Yeah. According to box office Mojo, this film is the 28th worst lowest opening weekend gross ever only pulling in 1.8 million dollars from 2625 screens and only earned 10.4 million dollars against the budget supposedly 10 million dollars but like i've i said i've heard it was even lower than that the the original um budget so
8: i remember when it came out at the theater and i was sort of interested i'm like wait a minute another black christmas but that's about all of the attention i paid to it I, you know i didn't i wouldn't even have thought about going to the theater to see this so i don't know i don't know what made it such a and like i said unless it was just the date, you know, when you do things too close to Christmas, people are busy and they ain't going to stop and go watch a hour and a half movie at the theater when they're buying Christmas gifts and getting ready for things. I guess. I don't know. Unless it's a big, huge blockbuster.
13: Exactly. All right. The address of the sorority house is 1974 Elm Road. Both a reference to the year the original film came out and a nod to A Nightmare on Elm Street in which John Saxon was in both films. That's true. He was. Film had a short and rushed production schedule being only completed in five months. This all includes pre-production, production, post-production. In fact, some of the scenes of the film were shot in only one take and ad lived without a completed script. I could see a lot of that in that i guess for sure
8: maybe but i don't know i i, I watch this gonna kind of, when i watch it i was like i'm gonna hate this but i just i didn't hate it. it it really sort of surprised me so i can't really knock on the acting or the it seems sort of maybe it ad living was good for me all right the names of the leading characters riley marty
13: chris and jesse were intentionally picked For being unisex names Lindsay though was named after feminist critic, Lindsay German, whoever that is.
8: I thought she was named after Lindsay from Halloween. Nope.
13: Director Sophia Tikal said in an interview, she wanted to explore the same premise as the 1974 original, but with a me too style twist and the celebration of the bonds of sisterhood between that and the PG 13 rating horror audiences avoided the film reviews were scathing and it didn't do anywhere near as well as the studio hoped.
8: Well, I know the director worked to make it as feminist as she could and actually went for the PG 13 rating, hoping to, Bring in some young women who are interested in horror movies, but apparently that did not work. It backfired.
13: Professor Gelson is inspired by Jordan B. Peterson and is meant to be an unflattering parody of him. (laughs) Okay. The character was also based on Brett Kavanaugh, whose Supreme court confirmation hearing with past allegations. Inspired the film.
8: Now that's weird.
13: (laughs) Yeah. First black Christmas movie not to be filmed in Canada. Instead, they filmed it in New Zealand. New Zealand. Yep. Probably. Probably because it was cheaper to do it there. Probably so. All right. Let's see here. Around the time Halloween 2018 was theatrically released, producer Jason Blum received backlash for saying that the reason why there were no female directors hired by his company, Blumhouse, was said because there was only a few female directors out there, even fewer wanted to do horror. Blum apologized within 24 hours after coming under fire for his comments. I I remember something about this when that happened. So then he chose Sophia Tuchel to helm the remake of
8: Black Black
13: Christmas 2019. She originally pitched a remake of the I Spit on Your Grave series.
8: She might have done a lot better job with that. With that, yeah, for sure. Because honestly, uh the only thing about this movie, it don't even feel like it's done during Christmas. I don't Not even know if really they mentioned know. they don't even really mention Christmas, do they? <laughs> I don't know. You just watched it.
13: All right. Feminist and women rights activist Gloria Steinem was offered a cameo role in the film, but turned it down as there wasn't a completed script yet. Like we said earlier, they ad ad-lib- libbed a lot of it,
8: and I don't have a problem with ad libbing stuff. So, well, they did a pretty good job. They did
13: that aspect of it for sure. Imogene Poots accepted the lead role because she was excited that she'd get to work with the predominantly female cast and crew on the set. So that's about all I got for trivia. All you got for trivia. What else do you got, Carl? You got anything else you wanted to add?
8: Um, not really. I mean, like I said, I haven't ever watched this until now, uh, sort of avoided it and when we were talked about doing it, you know, I was like, "Eh, we'll see how this goes, but I don't know, man. I, I don't think it's nearly as bad as everybody knocks it for. I just don't think it is. I thought it was a little, um, maybe creative bringing in the whole black magic aspect of this thing. Certainly is nothing like the second, the first remake, which I consider to be the best of the three movies myself. Okay. But You're going to kill me for this, Brett. I think I would rather watch this than the original. Okay. But I didn't care for the original, if you remember when we did that. I thought it's dated and boring. This actually kept my attention. Okay. So So what are you going to rate it at, Carl? uh, Let me hear your views on it before I rate anything. You may change my views.
13: Well, I really not a big fan of this movie for sure. Uh, I think they should have just stayed with an R rating and made it a little more bloody and a little more violent. Uh, especially with the content that this movie is about, they could have made it really good that way. I think instead of calming it down, that makes a lot of sense. It, it could, it could have been like a, a combination. Maybe she threw her two cents worth on the I spit
8: on your grave premise to this movie. I could see a little bit of the I spit on your grave premise with the girl being assaulted by one of the uh, fraternity dudes and wanting, you know, trying to, I wouldn't about maybe get revenge, but you know, they sort of did get revenge in a sort of a way, but you know, not, nothing like the I spit on your grave movies
13: exactly exactly but
8: anyway yeah that's wasn't a bad movie i don't hate it no i don't i exactly i thought well, i was going to hate it but i i found myself not hating it think i could have uh think
13: they could have did a little better job um that dir- that director i think she had her uh way she wanted to do it. And she did it exactly the way she wanted to. And I think she sort of paid the price for that at the box office.
8: It does appear that way.
13: So, uh, I'm going to give it a two and a half.
8: That's higher than I thought you was going to give it.
13: No, had a decent story to it. Uh, parts of it were a little hard to believe. and, I think they sort of maybe copied from another movie that I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, you were trying to think of that earlier. Still can't think of the name of it, but uh, if you watch this movie, you'll see what I'm talking about. So, all right, well, what are you rating it at, Carl?
8: Well, we sort of rate differently because I sort of call a three being, you know, just average. And I'm going to give this a 2.5 as well. But again, I was sort of surprised by it. And, um, I didn't hate it. So if you've ever thought about watching this, uh, the second remake of black Christmas, I would say, give it a watch, give it a chance and see what you think. But I do credit the the first remake as the best of the three black Christmas movies. So that's my take on
13: it. Yeah. We're gonna have to review that too. So we are maybe next Christmas.
8: Maybe this Christmas, maybe, maybe not, <laughs> we can't do Krumpus every year. That's my favorite Christmas movie. If anybody's wondering still, it is the best.
13: There are so many Krumpus movies.
8: The I good one.
13: Was, I think there's like 10 or 12 of them things.
8: No, the, the real good one.
13: The the original
8: Krumpus that's its only name. The others are called like revenge of Krampus or Krampus versus Santa Claus or Krampus rides the, the reindeers. I don't know. All right. Well, thanks again, Jimbo for
13: inviting us on here and, uh, we appreciate it. We hope you enjoy everybody and check us out on all the social medias. We're on all the major podcasts platforms and we are also on youtube so hitting like that subscribe button
8: and uh
2: merry christmas
8: the evil never dies podcast merry christmas and stay evil stay evil everybody
0: Are they on the. G- um, Santa Claus? I am not to argue with the book. If it says they're good, they're good. Surely this is not to be wrong. wrong, right? Really well, they do something right anyway. Look, the meter. It went up. Just a little bit, but it went up. Ho ho ho. Good job, guys. An awesome story. Let's keep this rolling, shall we?
6: On to the next.
5: Hello, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you. I want to thank James for putting together this amazing gift for everyone who listens to it during this amazing holiday season and I also wish that you all find joy this time of year in not only the gifts that are provided by James through this podcast but by all the amazing blessings we are all surrounded with every day. I was asked by James to read a very special poem. It's a special poem to me, and I think it's a special poem to many of you. It's written by an author that has touched so many, and once I start reading it, I think you might recognize it. And if not, oh, get ready for an amazing ride of an amazing story that just shows the true heart of this time of year. Sit back and enjoy this poem written by none other than Dr. Seuss. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now please, don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small whatever the reason his heart or his shoes he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the who's staring down from his cave with a sour grinchy frown at the warm lighted windows below in their town for he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath and they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers, nervously drumming. I must find some way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow he knew all the Who, girls and boys, would wake bright and early. They'd rush for their toys. And then... Oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he hated. The noise, 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 noise. Then the Who's, young and old, would sit down to a feast. And they'd feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. And they would feast on Who Pudding and rare Who Roast Beast, which was something the Grinch couldn't stand in the least. And then... They'd do something he liked least of all. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the Who's would start singing. They'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this Who Christmas sing. The more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for fifty-three years, I have put up with it now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea. An awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what to do. The Grinch laughed in his throat, and he made a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat, and he chuckled and clucked. What a great Grinchy trick! With this coat and this hat, I look just like St. Nick. All I need is a reindeer. The Grinch looked around, but since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. Did that stop the old Grinch? No! The Grinch simply said, If I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max, and he took some red thread, and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on a ramshackle sleigh, and he hitched up old Max. Then the Grinch said, giddy up!" And the sleigh started down, toward the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their town. All their windows were dark, quiet snow filled the air. All the Who's were all dreaming sweet dreams without care. When he came to the first little house on the square, "'This is stop number one,' the old Grinchy Claws hissed, and he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist.' Then he slid down the chimney, a rather tight pinch. But if Santa could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once, for a moment or two. Then he stuck his head out of the fireplace flue, where the little hoo stockings all hung in a row. These stockings, he grinned, are the first things to go. Then he slithered and slunk, with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room and he took every present pop guns and bicycles roller skates drums checkerboards tricycles popcorn and plums and he stuffed them in bags then the Grinch very nimbly stuffed all the bags one by one up the chimney then he slunk to the icebox he took the who's feast He took the who pudding. He took the roast beast. He cleaned out that ice box as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took their last can of who hash. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. And now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree and he started to shove when he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove he turned around fast and he saw a small who, little Cindy Lou Hu, who, who was not more than two. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny Who daughter who'd got out of bed for a cup of cold water. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But... "'You know that old Grinch was so smart and so slick. "'He thought up a lie, and he thought it up quick. "'Why, my sweet little tot,' the fake Santa Claus lied, "'there's a light on this tree that won't light on one side, "'so I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. "'I'll fix it up there, then I'll bring it back here.' "'And his fib fooled the child, and he patted her head, "'and he got her a drink.' And he sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. Then the last thing he took was the log for their fire. Then he went up the chimney himself, the old liar. On their walls he left nothing but hooks and some wire. And the one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse then he did the same thing to the other who's houses leaving crumbs much too small for the other whose mouses it was quarter past dawn all the who's still abed, all the who's still a snooze when he packed up his sled packed it up with their presents the ribbons, the wrappings the tags and the tinsel the trimmings, the trappings 3,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet. He rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it. Boo-hoo to the who's, he was grinchiously humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the who's, down in Hooville will all cry boo-hoo. That's a noise. Grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, the sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so. But it was merry. Very? He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Hooville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then, well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day, and the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. And he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a very happy and prosperous New Year to you all.
0: Ho, 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 Where you look there. It's amazing what the Classic will do. The meter has really, truly jumped up this time. I don't think I've actually seen it jump up like that. You just can't beat the classics, And apparently, you all agree. Ho, ho, ho. I'd definitely say we keep this moving. We are so close now. So close. Let's see if we can't get this up to 100%. We might actually be able to save Christmas after all. Warning. Kinda Murdery contains adult themes, explicit language, and descriptions of violence.
5: It is not suitable for anyone. And we recommend you stop listening now.
12: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kind of Murdery, a true crime podcast that's mostly about murder and always about the strange and compelling stories that arise when the path less traveled twists to darkness and those who walk its shadows surrender to violence and moral corruption. We have a perilous journey ahead, so thank you for lending me your courage and good company. I'm Zevan Odelberg, and this is Kind of Murdery. First off, thank you to the guys at Tragedy of Cinema Podcast for inviting me once again to be part of their annual Christmas special. Merry Christmas to everyone listening, and happy holidays as well. However you celebrate, I hope your celebrations are joyful. If you've never listened to my show, Kinda Murdery, before, it is a true crime podcast, and yes, I do tell mostly murder stories, but not entirely murder stories. I'll tell any story just so long as it's kinda murdery. And in honor of the holidays and what you're about to hear, I'm gonna have a little bit of fun with just what it means to be kinda murdery. I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, are familiar with the classic Christmas poem by Clement Clarke Moore, "'Twas the night before Christmas." "'Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, etc." Well, I've taken the liberty of rewriting that poem and creating a kind of murdery version. Before we get started I wanted to share one vocab word which I learned in the writing process and that word is tumbrel and what a tumbrel was was a wooden ox cart with barred windows, basically a prison cart most famous for dragging French nobles to the guillotine. So now if you'll please join me as we uncover what truths we can and solve What Mysteries We May, Twas the Night Before Christmas, kinda murdery version, starts now. Twas the night before Christmas, and horribly still, chill air sharp and bitter like a cyanide pill, the stockings hung limp, empty soles, filled with fear my old hound whimpered softly for a monster was near the children were restless afraid in their beds with visions of terror stretching their heads mama her face strained in fear and dreaded arrival while i lay awake whispering prayers for survival suddenly outside there arose such a clatter i sprang from my bed to see what was the matter to the window i moved heart pounding in fright tore open the shutters to peer into the night. The moon on the snow cast a threatening light, revealing a horror. Before my saucer-wide eyes, what specter floats but a menacing tumbrel drawn by eight demon goats? With a driver so dark, so fierce, and so quick, I knew in a moment it must be Krampus. So sick. More rapid than nightmares, his demons they came, and he roared and he thundered and he called them by name. Now Nasher, now Pangor, now Slasher and Vexen, on Malice, on Hatred, on Doomer and Blightson. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As cursed leaves before, a freezing wind fly when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky, so up to the housetop, the demon goats flew, the tumbrel heavy with terror and Krampus too. And then, in a heartbeat, I heard on the roof the pounding and stamping of each cloven hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney Krampus came with a bound. He was clad all in nothing, from his head to his foot, with horns to hooves tarnished in ashes and soot. A sack made of burlap was strung on his back. He looked like a hunter, opening his pack. His eyes, how they glowered. His expression, So scary. His teeth were like daggers, his laugh quite contrary. His cruel mouth was drawn, tight as a bow, and the beard on his chin was as black as the coal. He held a switch, gripped tight in his hand, for whipping the worst of the children of man. I stammered, and stuttered unspeakable vowels, then without pride or intention let loose my bowels. A glare of his eye and a twist of his head soon proved without question the truth of my dread. He spoke not a word but went straight to his task rounding up children no mercy to ask they screamed for their lives as he filled the burlap but there's no escape from the depths of that sack he laid a festering claw the side of his nose then with a smirk up the chimney he rose he sprang to his tumble his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like launching a missile but i heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight Lordy children, beware. Krampus reigns tonight. And that was, t'was the night before Christmas, the kinda murdery version. Once again, thank you to the Tragedy of Cinema for asking me to be part of this. I'd also like to note quickly that while the holidays are a joyous time, they can also be a very difficult time. And I want everyone to know about the free three-digit lifeline number 988 that you can call anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to receive immediate counseling for substance use, mental health, or suicidal thoughts. So should you find yourself in a dark place if the holiday season is a hard time for you, please do call 988. Please do remember that you are loved and the world is a better place with you in it. If you just want to reach out to someone to make a connection, you can reach out to me. Kind of Murdery at gmail.com or at Kind of Murdery on all social media. You can even call the Kind of Murdery hotline, which is not a counseling hotline, by the way. I am not a professional. If you're in a very dark place, please do call 988. But if you'd just like to connect with someone to share your story, your particular challenges, or your own Kind of Murdery story, please don't hesitate to call 888-MURDERY. That's 888-687-3379. And please do remember, I'm here, I care and I would love to connect with you. I hope everyone has a joyous holiday season and I wish you all the best in the new year. I'm Zevin Odelberg and this has been Kind of Murdery.
9: If you like the show, please subscribe, review, and tell your friends. You can find us on social media at Kind of Murdery or email at kindamurdery of at gmail.com.
0: Well, well, well. That certainly took a dark side now, didn't it? I must admit, I did not see that one coming. (laughs) However, according to the meter, some of you, a lot of you, like that. The meter, it's going up. I haven't seen the meter this high all year. Can it be true? Are more people starting to believe? Are people beginning to get into the Christmas spirit? Oh, oh, well, we may pull this off after all. So I say we warm up some hot chocolate, pour in some extra marshmallows, Let's move on to our last podcast. Ho, 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 ho. Merry
11: Christmas. I'm Tim, the producer and editor of productions from Tim Mullins, formerly known as Triple H Media. Many of y'all have asked why I've changed the name. There are actually several reasons, but mainly because I have changed what I want to do has changed. I want to start producing more family-friendly shows, like the one I'm about to introduce you today. This is a new audio drama that will be in production very soon. It's called Intercede. If you like what you hear, then I invite you to go listen to Solo, A Zombie Apocalypse, to search for Solo, colon, A Zombie Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Mike and
5: I'm Vanessa and
11: we're angels
5: Michael you can't just blurt it out like that
11: but we are
5: what my husband is trying to say is we are vessels of the higher power of God
11: oh please we pick up the angel slack please
5: let me just explain it my way
11: fine
5: we are not angels angels were never born they were never human We are more like blessed souls who intercede into the lives that are broken and lost. We try to help them get through some very hard situations that they could not necessarily get to themselves.
11: You're confusing them. I don't think they get it.
5: If you allow me, I would like to tell you a story. Maybe that will help.
11: So, it was Christmas Eve. Wait, before you start, they should know that we can walk with the living.
5: True. Even though Mike and I have passed on, we can still walk and live our lives on Earth. In order to do our jobs, we are allowed to stay here on Earth and live and walk amongst you. We look like you and talk like you. You would never know who or what we are unless we allowed you to see us in our true form. So with that being said, let's get on with the story. It was Christmas Eve... And Mike and I were walking home after a long assignment. It was cold. I mean, so, so cold. And, of course, snowing. When our next assignment was about to present
11: itself. Well, that was certainly an interesting assignment. (laughs) That's putting it mildly. I would have never guessed a clown named Happy
5: would be so depressed.
11: Yeah, he was really bad off. Even my screaming chicken didn't make him crack a smile. Come on, who doesn't smile but the screaming chicken? Vanessa, get behind me. Who? Who's there? Who's there, Mike? I don't know. I just asked like two seconds before you did. Is there someone there? Really? You really expect them to answer? Come on, I think we should keep
0: moving.
5: Yeah, you're right. Wait... Wait. Stop. Did you hear that? Hear what? I don't know. I thought I heard something.
11: I'm sorry, I, I don't hear anything.
5: Me either. Must have been the wind.
11: Or a rat. Uh, yeah, let's keep moving.
5: Oh. Shh. There. I heard it again.
11: <sighs> I'm really sorry. I just don't hear... Shh.
7: Don't leave. There.
11: Yeah. I heard it. Hello?
5: There's someone in there.
11: Hello? Be careful. We're not here to hurt you, so... Don't hurt me. Okay? Oh boy. Vanessa. You may want to come see this.
5: Why? What did you...
7: Help me. Please. It's a child.
11: Yeah, and she's freezing. (sighs) Man. Help me get this garbage off her.
5: She's so tiny. Mike, what are we going to do?
11: I... I-I don't know. You think the boss will grant us a wish?
5: I don't think it works like that, but it is our job to help people.
11: You're right. Um... Let's take her home.
5: Then what?
11: i i I don't know. I don't-I don't know. But what I do know... This baby can't stay out here in the cold. Not tonight. She'll never survive.
5: I agree. Let's go get this little one warmed up.
11: Yeah, I got her. We're not here to hurt you, OK? Uh, look, 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 listen. Are you able to walk? No. Oh, wow. She She's so light.
7: She's a child.
11: Yeah, but even for a child, she's light.
7: I don't feel good.
11: Oh no, Vanessa. What is it? She's passed out. What do we what do
5: we do? We need to get her home now. Agreed. Put her in the spare bedroom. I'll get some food and water. Oh, look at her. Her clothes are filthy. How long has she been out there, alone?
11: By the looks of those, way longer than any child should be.
5: Let me get these clothes off of her. Can you try to find something to change her into?
11: How? We don't have any... Wait a minute. The neighbors. is it little Susie by her size?
5: Yeah, I think so.
11: Perfect. Don't go nowhere. Well, of course you're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> anyway, well, okay, okay, I'm gone. Be, be right back. Okay,
5: little one. Let's get these nasty wet clothes off of you. If you don't mind, I think we'll burn them.
7: Please, don't. Oh, you're awake. It's
5: all I have. We'll get you some new clothes. Really? I promise. Do you think we can get you washed up before my husband comes back? Okay. Let me go get some water and all that other stuff. Here, take a few bites of this food and sips of water. We'll get you cleaned up and warmed up in no time. Okay. Be right back. ma'am. Let's get you washed up and then we'll get you something for that cough, okay? Okay. Are you okay with me doing this
7: or would you rather do it yourself? You please. I feel so weak. Sure,
5: not a problem. We'll just give you a quick wipe down until we can get you in the bathroom for a real shower.
7: That would be so nice.
5: Wait a minute. I never did ask your name.
7: <laughs> Chloe.
5: So glad to meet you, Chloe. My name is Vanessa. The strange man who seems to have gotten lost is my husband, Mike. <laughs> There's a smile. You have the prettiest smile.
7: <laughs> Thank you.
5: So, how long has it been since you've had a shower?
7: I... Uh, I don't know. <laughs>
5: Well, do you know how long it's been since you've been out there?
7: Not really. I know it's been a long time.
5: Wow. If I may ask, how...
7: how did you end up out there, all alone? I... I'm sorry.
5: You don't have to tell me.
7: I didn't mean to. Nobody loves me. I'm sorry, what? I'm 13, and nobody loves me. Oh, honey, that's not true. In my case, it is. I have no mother or father. No sisters or brothers. I don't understand. What happened to your parents? I don't know. I went to school one morning, and my mom, well, she never came to pick me up.
5: She forgot to pick you up?
7: She just never came. I walked home, and when I got there, it was empty. They went shopping, maybe? No, I mean, they were gone. The house was empty. All our stuff was gone. Even my room was empty. They just packed everything up and left. Everything but me. Why did they leave me? What did I do to make them not love me anymore? What did I do that was so bad? Oh, honey, come here. It wasn't anything that you did. I am very sure of it. I'm only nine. I don't understand. Nine? So you have been on the streets for four years? Has it been that long? That's a long time. It's Christmas Eve, you know? I do. I haven't been with another person on Christmas Eve in a long time.
5: Are you telling me you've spent the last four years alone on Christmas? Yes,
7: ma'am. No presents? No Santa? No. I spend most of my holidays walking around looking for food. Sometimes I would walk by a restaurant and see a family. The kids happy and laughing. Every time wishing I could be one of them. I wonder what it would be like to eat a warm meal. I wonder what it would be like to wake up in the morning, a floor full of gifts and a new button. I wonder what it would be like to be Oh, you are so loved. (laughs) By who? You? You don't even know me. I'm just a homeless kid you found in an alley.
5: You're right. I haven't known you but for a few hours. But you're not just some kid we found. (coughs) Whoa. Hey, here. I almost forgot. This is for that cough. Take it, please. But you are loved. God loves you. He always has and he
7: always will. And where is he? With my parents, I'm sure. Everyone has left me.
5: That's where you're wrong. He's always been with you. You were on your own for four whole years. You found food. You were kept safe. I know it may not look like it, but he has been there for you. All you have to do is talk to him. (gasps) Mm, It looks like that medicine is kicking in.
7: I know you're trying to make me feel better, but I think I need to go. Thank you for the bath and snacks. You're leaving? I'm getting tired, and I don't- Oh no, my dear. I don't think you
5: should go anywhere. That medicine's really strong. I believe you should stay right here. But I can't. Go back out in that cold with that cough. You're staying right here, if you want. This is your bedroom tonight. A soft, warm bed with clean sheets. Really? Yes, And guess what
7: else? What? How
5: about a big warm breakfast in the morning?
7: (laughs) Pancakes?
5: With bacon and orange juice.
7: That would be great. Then it's a date. Cool. Can we pray before you go to sleep, please? I would like that.
5: Father, it's me, your child. Look what I've found, a lost child. Thank you for bringing Chloe to us this evening. Just like I was once a lost child, you found me and saved me. And now we have found this lost child. And Lord, please help us pay it forward, even if it's just for one night. Bring all of us peace and love and, happy birthday.
7: Happy birthday.
5: Now, sweetheart, get lots and lots of sleep, and we'll see you in the morning.
7: Miss Vanessa? Yes? Will you be here when I wake up? You're not going to leave me?
5: No, sweetie. I'm not going to go anywhere when you wake up you'll know i'm here do you want to know how how you'll know because when you open those pretty green eyes you will smell those pancakes
7: can i ask you another question of course do you think santa will find us here I know he hasn't the last few years, but I'm in a house tonight. Do you think he'll find me this year?
5: Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see, won't we?
7: Oh, I hope so.
5: If he does, you don't want to be awake when he finds you, do you?
7: Nope. Good night.
5: (laughs) Good night, little one.
11: There you are. Where have you been this whole time? I know, I know, I'm sorry. I went over to Mary and Bob's to go get those clothes. Mary started talking about... What? Why are you smiling at me?
5: Grab the car keys. Why? We have some shopping to do.
11: You're kidding. At this time of night?
5: I'll explain on the way. Now come on.
7: Mmm. I smell pancakes! She's still here. She didn't leave me.
5: Chloe, good morning.
7: Kept your word. You're still here.
5: (laughs) I told you I wasn't going anywhere.
11: (sighs) Hi there, ladies. (sighs) Mike! Oh, okay. So we're hugging now. Mike, you ready? As ready as I will ever be.
7: Ready for what?
11: Well, Chloe, when, when I got in last night and I was getting ready for bed, I, uh, I'm not sure, but I really thought I heard something on the roof last night.
7: Really? Don't be teasing me. No, I heard it too. I think we should go to the living room. Let's go!
11: And we're off.
7: Oh my god. Oh my god! Are those for me?
11: Yes, ma'am. That's what the tag says. Wait, wait a minute. All of these... They... Dear, these all say Chloe. Um, how did that happen?
7: He found me! Santa found me and you didn't leave me! Oh
5: sweetie, I told you we weren't going to abandon you. I think things are about
7: to change. I'm happy, I really am, but... But what? What am I gonna do with all this stuff? I have nowhere to put them. They would be stolen in a heartbeat.
11: Yeah, about that. Um, Vanessa?
5: Mike and I have been talking. We thought it would be better
7: if you stayed here for a while.
11: But only if you want to. I mean, we can't force you.
7: Stay here? Seriously?
11: Yeah, seriously. I know I wasn't here last night, and for that I'm sorry. But from what I hear... You two ladies bonded.
5: And I would like to see where that bond goes, if you do.
7: So, to make this clear, you two want me to live here?
11: Yeah, I I really think we do. And you know what? Right after Christmas, we want to find out exactly what our options are for you, young lady.
7: I would love that, but only if you promise not to leave me. I promise. I will never leave you.
11: We will never leave you.
7: Now this is
5: my
11: home now? Yeah, I think so. Besides, you have to have somewhere to use this. A bicycle! E! Merry Christmas, Chloe.
7: Merry Christmas. Can you excuse me for a second? I'll be right back. Thank you. I know we had a little talk last night after Miss Vanessa left. Thank you. Thank you for giving me what I asked for. Food, gifts, maybe even a family. Thank you. And oh, happy
3: birthday. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and to Judea into to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill good will toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger, days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child. His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb.
0: Ho, 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 ho. We're lucky there. We did it. We all did it. The meter is full. The faith and belief has been restored. Christmas is here to stay. Ho, 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 ho. I'd like to take this time and wish you all a Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 ho.
6: minute. wait a minute. Santa, have you been drinking Mrs. Claus's special eggnog again? Because you forgot the last story here. It comes from Jackie and Sarah from the Boone County Jail Distillery way down in Lebanon, Indiana. Maybe Mrs. C spiked your eggnog with one of their fine products. An elf's work is never done. Anyway, I got your back, Santa. So here's Jack A. and Sarah.
3: Hello,
10: and happy holidays from all of us here at Boonco Jail Distillery. I'm Jackie, and I'm. I am joined by my amazing colleague here, Sarah, and we are coming to you live from our solitary confinement studio. For those of you that do not know us or the Bunco Jail Distillery, we are exactly what we sound like. Uh, we are an active distillery inside of a former jail out of Lebanon, Indiana. Uh, We've been so fortunate to become friends with the Tragedy of Cinema podcast, and we're thrilled to be a part of this Christmas special. So thank you so much, Jimbo, Kyle, and Eric. Uh, We are ready to share some odd traditions from jails and prisons at Christmas time. And then Sarah's going to be joining us and uh, sharing some traditional holiday drinks and their origins. So sit back
9: and relax with your favorite drink. Unless you're driving, because we are the fuzz and we'll get you (laughs)
10: sit back and relax. That's right, safety first, PSA time uh wait until you get home to start drinking all right uh so yeah our story begins today with the eastern state penitentiary in 1926 this was christmas day they had a dinner consisting of chicken gravy cranberry sauce bread candy and cigars uh ice cream and fruit cake was served for dessert And this was the first time the inmates were invited to eat the special meal in the two newly constructed mess halls. Each hall held about 400 people and this was the very first time that the inmates were allowed to eat together rather than alone in their cells. So how cool was that? They made it into a really big uh, Christmas party and special event, you know, as a Christmas Music tradition. Absolutely. Uh, next here, we have Folsom State Prison in Christmas of 1914. Good year, good year. <laughs> it was a good year for Sarah, yes. <laughs> so, inmates enjoyed a breakfast of pork, brown gravy, Which is an odd breakfast choice, but sweet potatoes, hot rolls, cheese, coffee, sugar, and milk. After breakfast, the mess hall was then turned into a movie theater where they watched the 1914 silent uh, movie, The Spoilers. And probably took a nap after all that heavy food. (laughs) I would. um, Inmates were then brought to the recreation yard for field sports. This consisted of tug of war and a baseball game. Uh, For dinner that night, they were treated to roast pork, baked sweet apples, dressing, brown gravy, pickles, apple pie, pastries, wine cake, not wine, just wine cake, plum jelly, candy, and raisins. Yum. That sounds better than what I ate today, for sure. <laughs> uh, so next we're going to move on to California here. Um, this takes place in the early 40s. Uh, he actually is Kenyan Squatter. He was the superintendent at California Institution of Men, uh, for men, not of men. Um, He is recalling Christmas in his book titled Prisoners Are People Too, which we agreed is a pretty awful title, but, you know, it is of the times. Uh, This book was published in 1952. And from there, he stated one Christmas Eve, just as we're finishing our dinner at home on the grounds, we were lingering at the table when suddenly soft music was coming from outside our terrace. There was the men's choir. Schroeder said it was uh, he was so greatly moved as they watched the choir meander through the grounds before entering at their dormitories.
9: Which sounds really odd, probably, to most people. Um, A lot of people forget that back in the early days, the sheriff and a lot of the other people that worked at jails actually lived on the ground somewhere. Um, At our jail, we actually have a residency quarters upstairs uh, where the sheriff and his family would live while he was sheriff of the town.
10: Absolutely. It was considered a a treat for the sheriff or the intendant to be given this home. But the only drawback was uh, you you shared it often. You resided in the prison itself. Now you may have your own separate entrances. But uh, I know, for instance, the old Liking Jail in Liking, Ohio their kitchen would actually overlook part of the women's dormitories in the jail. So I couldn't imagine eating breakfast and, and overseeing all these people. Yeah, it just be terrifying.
9: people shaking each other while oh, we're trying to eat breakfast. What a lovely morning. Delicious, right? It's great. Makes me sure want some warm
10: juice. <laughs> yes. So in, pres- in uh, present day Britain, uh, prisoners are all given special holiday meals from the minor offenders to the most serious. They're all offered the same meal typically consisting of roasted turkey, a mincemeat pie, and other tasty desserts for Christmas. So that sounds really nice, and I love that uh, everyone is treated as an equal there. Uh, This particular story, this is actually my favorite story. It made me laugh when I read it. Um, In Iceland, one particular prison, the inmates awoke to find potatoes in their shoes, Now, this may sound more silly than Christmassy, but in Iceland, most holiday traditions revolve around children. So one such tradition is to leave shoes out for one of the visiting Yule lads. The Yule lad will then in return, leave a small gift inside of the shoe. However, if that child has been naughty throughout the year, That child will receive a potato instead. I'm going to be naughty
9: all year, every year. If I can get a potato, (laughs) I'm going to do it. Uh, You can bake it. You can boil it. You can mash it. It's so good. Boil and mash them. Stick them in a stew. (laughs) Come on. Samwise Gamgee (laughs) said it best. He knows. Are we ready for
10: second breakfast? I know Mm -hmm. I am. Okay. After the shanking. (laughs) After Well, some of you may have already put together, this is a similar tradition to that of what we use today, where someone can receive a lump of coal in the stocking. Uh, The guards were actually responsible for placing these potatoes in the inmate's shoes. But this was done as a loving prank, as the only inmates to receive these potatoes were actually the model inmate. They knew that they were
9: going to get thrown if they, they didn't get them only the best, the best behavior.
10: Yes. They were then able to turn them in for a real holiday treat that afternoon. So they got their potato, but then they got their candy too, which, you know, is pretty awesome. Um, and that kind of brings us into Sarah here. Uh, what did you see as a commonality through some of these stories? I
9: mean, a lot of it revolves around
10: food. A lot of it is around food. A lot of it is around just genuine fellowship. Um, I particularly love the the uh, gentleman looking back after all of his years of serving. And I couldn't imagine looking out on your balcony and watching inmates walking around. But what an incredible way to remember that holiday as you're listening with your family to this beautiful choir and oh just a cool way to to get into the holidays
9: no one does caroling anymore either right
10: yes uh so as we get older it seems most people spend the holidays with you know family friends food um and that's kind of an excellent segue here into the next part of our show sarah what is your favorite holiday food
9: and why i mean honestly I love all foods. I don't discriminate with food. So any food is great. I really love the baking aspect of it. So anything is great. But what about you? What's your favorite and why?
10: Um, I absolutely love my mom's pecan pie. Mm-hmm. It's not Christmas unless I get a slice of that pecan pie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what she does, but I dream about it. And I also dream about hot glog. I love me some hot glog.
9: I don't know what that is, but we're going to find out. And uh, you can hold that thought until we get there.
10: (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Take it away, buddy.
9: So first, we're going to talk about eggnog. I think that's probably the most Mm well-known drink of the holiday tradition so most historians debate what its exact origin is but most can agree that it originated likely in medieval britain Um, and it was originally called posset, which it was a hot milky ale-like drink by the 13th century monks were known to drink it with eggs and figs in it Now, milk, eggs, and sherry were usually foods of, like, the wealthy, so it was often used as a toast of, like, prosperity and good health. But eggnog became tied to the holidays in the 1700s, and that was when the American colonies were full of farms and chickens, and they had cows, and they could use a cheaper ingredient, rum, in the eggnog as opposed to the sherry. So rum quickly became eggnog signature ingredient and is often still used today. By the 18th century, the term eggnog was coined and it stuck, which sounds a little bit more appetizing than posset, and a little easier to say even too.
10: Absolutely, and I have to say, I couldn't imagine Drinking eggs and figs. I'm sure it had to be chunky back in the day. Oh. They don't have the emulsion that we do today. Yeah,
9: and I don't, yeah, it just, mm, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to feel about it. But <laughs> anyway, the next one I do really like, and that's called the Hot Toddy. Mm-hmm. And again, Origins, kind of wishy-washy, not really sure where exactly it started. But um, there are several versions to who started it and where. Um, But the oldest known record of the recipe is from 1786, and it was back in India where they had um, what they called a tatty drink, and that had fermented palm sap in it. But another origin story goes back to an Irishman who was also a doctor, and he would prescribe the drink to his patients as kind of a for their illnesses, so it had a mix of hot brandy, water, cinnamon, and sugar. But it was also used during the American Revolutionary War, and the soldiers would drink hot toddies as a form of that liquid courage that they could get before they would go out into a battle. So, just showing how versatile the drink is—from comforting as a cure-all to liquid courage the perfect warm addition to any holiday tradition and my personal favorite way to serve it would be with water some honey some Kennard and drake bourbon of course <laughs> some lemon juice a cinnamon stick a nice apple wedge and some hot apple cider too mm, that sounds really good mm-hmm. but jackie back to your favorite drink the the hot glog. <laughs> uh yeah so
10: let's look into that a little bit absolutely i absolutely love me some hot glog. um i am originally uh, swedish okay and a little bit of irish Uh, but the Swedish side of me has family that settled in a Swedish colony and hot glog is a staple around the holidays there. And you can go back and, you know, eat your big loaves of bread, drink your glog, watch St. Lucia, bring in Christmas and, uh, you know, hoping a gnome doesn't steal your hat. So there you
9: go. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a, it's sounds like it. it. Well, let's learn what it is. Yes. I didn't hear about it for, <laughs> until you brought it up. Yes. So the glog, or a mulled wine, started in the first century Rome. It, at first, was very poorly flavored or developed wine, but it had spices added to it and boiled to help better the flavor. But it was the Swedish and Nordic countries that popularized the drink and added some better flavors and spices to improve it. It was also brought to social gatherings and specifically Christmas, but glogg typically consists of a red wine or a port and has spices in it such as cinnamon, cloves, oranges, sugar, rum, and brandy. So all the... All those flavors you think of when you think Christmas, and Swedish variations often include nuts and raisins. I don't know why the Europeans want to put nuts and raisins in everything, including their cake. But whew. they had me at nuts. They lost me at raisins. Yeah, I for love
10: sure. you all. Let the raisins go. They're dead grapes. If it's yep. not wine, throw
9: it out. Yeah. Yeah true that yes but it's popular drink and well known um that you know milk and coca-cola are often santa's favorite drinks for christmas but according to wikipedia mrs claus always has a cup of hot vlog waiting for santa after he returns from home from delivering all those presents
10: um i want a cup of hot vlog when i get home (laughs) uh i'm just gonna say mrs claus aka my husband you, you heard that. I would love a cup of hot Glog by the time I get home. It would be awesome. You
9: can keep that. I'll take the hot toddies with some Kenard and Drake any day. Yes. <laughs> but, Jackie, do you know why we leave out milk and cookies for Santa? I would love to know. Tell me. So the or the original roots of the holiday tradition, it can be traced back to actually Norse mythology. Uh, so Odin, the Norse god, had an eight-legged horse named Slipner, which he rode. And during the Yule season, children would leave out food in hopes of Odin leaving gifts in return. Mm Eight-legged. wonder where
10: the eight reindeer came from. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just
9: thinking (laughs) of spiders. I can't stop thinking about that. 8 legs. No thanks. Uh, But this tradition came back. It gained popularity in the U.S. during the Great Depression. Um, And it was... You know during that time of real bad hardships and parents kind of used it to teach their children how important it was to show gratitude and kind of give back for the gifts that they received so what a beautiful way to say thank you to Santa um, and it's just a great tradition that came back and has continued
10: I absolutely love that and uh, like you say what a beautiful way to thank someone for literally flying all over the world thanks Santa Ooh, that's awesome Yeah. Yeah, so don't forget to leave out your milk, your cookies. If you got a Kinnard and drake, or, you know, if you want to leave a little bit of hot glog out, I'm sure he'd appreciate
9: it. For, he can take it back to Mrs. Glaws.
10: There you right. go. There you go. Absolutely. Well, that about wraps it up for us here with the Boonco Jail Distillery. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We hope that each and every one of you have a wonderful holiday season. Uh, I'm Jackie. And I'm Sarah. Thank
6: you so much. Happy holidays and drink safely. Cheers. Yes. <laughs> Cheers, friends. Alright, everybody. That's it for the Tragedy of Cinema. It's a wonderful podcast live Christmas show. Thank you to all the awesome podcasters who contributed. And thank you to everybody who listened. Merry Christmas!